I'm going to just read two verses of Scripture and get right into what I feel the Lord wants me to say. You can just remain standing just another moment. We'll all be seated in just a second here. And don't worry, I'm going to stand longer than you. <laughs> so, Psalm 144, verse 1 and 2. I'm just going to read two verses of Scripture in your hearing today. And like I said, jump right into this. Verse 1, Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord my strength who teaches my hands to war, my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust who subdues my people under me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are the living word. I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and speak both your logos and rima. Let me say what you want me to say and not say what you don't want me to say. Let the people hear what you need them to hear in the name of Jesus. Open our understanding that we might comprehend scripture, cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we ask it, pray it, and believe it in the name of Jesus. And would you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to preach on this subject or title, An Old Song Made New. Hallelujah. The reason I'm titling it this, or one of the reasons I should say, is Psalm 144 is a combination of many other psalms. It is literally an old song made new. Uh, there are other psalms from which David, in his past experience, drew upon, including Psalm 8, 18, 33, 102, 103, and 104. And Samuel records the history in 2 Samuel 18 and 19. So David is drawing upon this to write a new song. In fact, verse 9, he says, I will sing a new song. But it's really an old song made new. There's, there's a fresh perspective that he has come too. He takes some old lyrics. He takes some old experiences. And God has now given him a fresh perspective upon something that's going on presently in his life. And he begins to give God wholehearted praise and worship. And by the way, this is the last psalm before the praise psalms are launched and by David himself in Psalm 145. And so I believe that God has this placed in its order even though we know that chronologically it may be placed a little bit elsewhere in the can canon order it's here to let us know that just before we launch in to the final set of psalms which are praise psalms that David is saying I remember where you brought me from I remember what you did I, I remember how you picked me up I, I remember what it was like to be bound but now I've got a fresh perspective because in this new experience I realize since you did it there, you can do it here. Hallelujah. 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 I've, I've preached older messages and with new understanding. In fact, some of the real old ones, I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you for sparing those precious people. Hallelujah. Oh, man. I've looked back on some of them and I thought, oh, hallelujah. Did I really say that? 
Did I really preach that? <laughs> Amen. But so I, I've preached older messages and, and, and with newer understanding. I, I've heard songwriters uh, remake and, and rewrite older songs and, and, and restructure them with, with maybe new understanding or, or with a, a slightly different genre. Uh, and today I believe that I'm preaching to a group of people that can look back over your life and remember where God brought you from. Hallelujah. And can I just say it this way? I don't look like what I've been through. Hmm. If you could see where he brought me from. If you could see what he brought me out. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, don't be fooled by the, by the fancy suit and the, the nice tie. Uh, don't be fooled uh, by the dress clothes. Uh, come on, I've, I've been through some things, uh, but I don't look like uh, what I've been through. Uh, oh, I'm telling you, he's brought me through. Uh, he's kept me. He's loved me. When others have failed me, when others have forsaken, uh, oh, come on, Jesus uh, has never let me down. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so David starts this psalm by expressing his personal relationship with God. Oh, hallelujah, I love it. His personal relationship with God. Take a a look here. How does he open it? Blessed be the Lord, my strength. He starts right off. God, you're worthy. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to praise you. There is nothing wrong with asking God for something. There's nothing wrong with having a need and praying about it and seeking the mind and face of God for it. But there is something special about regardless of what you need or don't need of starting off your praise with God. You're blessed. You're worthy. You're awesome. Hallelujah. Now, David, from all these other psalms he draws from, he does it. He, he does this in Psalm 18. He, blessed be my rock. In Psalm 41, he says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. That means forever. Amen. Psalm 68, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. In Psalm 66, blessed be God, which has not turned away my prayer. And Psalm 106 and 113 and 119 and 135, on and on and on the list goes. In fact, other psalmists, and uh, Solomon wrote a psalm where he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. And Ethan the Ezraite wrote a psalm that said, Blessed be the Lord forevermore. I wonder if we could take a time out for a shout and bless the Lord for what he's done. Hooray! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me tell you why we just shouted and blessed the Lord. Watch. Put verses 1 and 2 back up, please, Brother Sound Man, Brother Dude, what, whoever you are back there. I can't see very well with my glasses on. <laughs> I can see my notes. I, you're, you're all, looks like, yep, Sam, okay. A little bit of a blur. I got to go like this. I need bifocals. Amen. Watch this. Blessed be the Lord, my strength. Uh-huh. Who teaches my hands and my fingers uh, to fight. My goodness. My fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. Six different things, attributes of God, characteristics of God, and every one of them, it's personal. It's not just he is those, he is those to me. Mm. But wait a minute. 
The strength of the Hebrew here isn't just that David feels that way about God. But that God feels that way about David. When David said, you're my strength, God's like, yeah, I am. Come on, I know there's some fathers here that when your kids tell you, Daddy, you're the best and you're awesome, you're better than Superman, you're like, whoo, yeah. You feel like you could just tackle the world. Imagine how much more God feels when you say he's my strength. He's my deliverer. God's going, yeah, you better believe I am. Woo! Hallelujah. Well, how would you describe God if it was your song? If you're writing a a song of your life, what would you say? Which attributes would you use? Well, David's personal relationship causes him to ponder about a really cool and baffling reality. Look at verse 3 and 4. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? I know you do. I just don't understand why. Or the son of man that you make account of him. You see, verse 4, man is like to vanity. His days are a shadow that passes away. But you're God. You're infinite. And David is this in this baffling, unreasonable reality of Almighty God. He's holy. He's infinite. He's perfect. How and why would he love me, who is unholy and imperfect? God could start over and recreate a world. Recreate humans, recreate whatever. But instead, he chose to become us. There is not another single myth or, or you know, any kind of legend or any kind of story. There's not another religion in which the, the leader, the deity, or whomever of that religion becomes his subjects or citizens or people. In all of those, it's you pay homage to him or her or whatever it might be. But in Christianity, Almighty God left the splendor of who he was to become us. And 2 Corinthians says, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. He knew that if I'm going to become like him, he has to become like me. He knew that if I'm going to become holy, he's got to take on sin. He knew that if I'm going to be saved, he's got to come and die for my salvation. And David is baffled by this reality. You see, creation declares the magnificence of God. The universe praises His supreme sovereignty. And yet, with all of the beauty and all of the greatness of God, He chooses, He wants to, He desires to dwell in the praises of His people. Listen. I've had some bad days in my life. I'll be honest. I've had some days I didn't want to pray. Didn't want to read my Bible. Didn't even want to go to church. Just being honest. And yet, he wants to be with me. 
David is baffled. God, you've got all this beauty. And I'm sure he probably looked up at night in a, in a very cloudless night and would see the stars and the moon and would say, God, with all of that, you want me? He would observe mountains and streams and the beauty of creation. God, you want me? I've failed you. God, I had Uriah killed. I told the call to preach class. It shocked some of them. But I said, David raped Bathsheba. I know scripture don't say that. But the Bible says he sent his men to bring her to him. It was forceful. And he used his place of authority. She really had no choice. Well, she did. I mean, if she didn't respond, she could be killed. So that's rape in my opinion. And he's, God, I did all this. And you still want to be with me? And watch this, watch this. Ready? Come here, Pastor Lucas. David is here. Come here, hold on here. You're, you're present day David. And you can see kind of through a glass darkly into the future some things. You, you've prophesied in Psalm 22 about, the, about Calvary. You, you've prophesied in other Psalms about the second coming. You've seen glimpses of it. When you repented about Bathsheba, you, you understood what it was to be cleansed. You said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You understood what New Testament was all going to be about. But you're here. Meanwhile, as, as back in Psalm 144, as David is going, Lord, what is man? You're mindful of him. God's over here saying, yeah, well, I've already had Luke write in Acts that you're a man after my own heart. I know you can't see it, David. I know I'm over here in a future that you can't quite see, but I'm already telling Luke to write. And David, a man after my own heart who would do all my will. Can I tell you something? Until the pen is out of the hand of God, why don't you let God decide who you are? Why don't you let God write your story? I am so tired of people that are plagued by the lies of the enemy. It's time to grab every one of them, throw them down where they belong, stomp on them and say, I am who I am, says I am. Oh, hallelujah. Am I preaching to anybody that's grateful today that God notices you, thinks about you, is there anyone thankful that in one day he took away all your sin? I wouldn't be here if he didn't. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm thankful. And so David's pondering of God leads him to understanding the infinite sovereignty. And this leads him to a prayerful response. Five, five through eight, put it up please. Bow thy heavens, O Lord. Come down, touch the mountains, they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, scatter them about. Shoot out your arrows, destroy them. Send your hand from above. Rid me, deliver me of, out of great waters from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaks vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. God, 
if, if, if you can do all that, then protect me and keep me. There was a present situation that David was in that reminded him of some of his past realities. And as he's drawing from these other psalms to write this new one, he's realizing, God, you did it on the battlefield with Goliath. You forgave me of the sin of Bathsheba. You forgave me of the sin of numbering the people. God, you protected me when Absalom had his coup. And now I'm here in this moment. And I'm calling upon you in this present situation. You've done it there. I can look back and see it as plain as day. And I need you here now because I know you've got a future for me. And David is beginning to pray and take his need unto the Lord. It does implicitly point to the second coming. But there's something that's going on in David's life that he feels like if God doesn't come through, I don't know what's going to happen. Can anybody relate? Uh huh. But let me tell you, let me tell you this. When you exchange a prayer life for a life of prayer, oh, oh, oh let, me, let me get real for a minute. When, when you look at your watch, clock, phone, and it's 10:15 on a Sunday morning, it's pre-service prayer, you're not waiting to get in, you're already in. Uh-oh. Okay, I'll look this way so nobody thinks I'm preaching to them. <laughs> Hello. And I'm not just talking about church time gathering for prayer. I'm talking about that daily time where the Lord wants us to commune with Him. Mm. Oh, come on, somebody. David begins to pray, oh, God. I know you can bring me through. I know you can bring me out. And so this pondering reality of who he is has led to a prayerful response. And he's taken everything to God saying, God, I know you're able. I know you can see beyond everything. I know you can see the future. You're already in it. And so I'm coming to you and I'm trusting you. And now David's prayer is about to give in to praise. Uh, verse 9. Now, now, watch this. Between verse 8 and verse 9, verse 8, he's, he's finishing up his prayer request. Verse 9, he says, I will sing a new song. There is no indication that David got an answer. There's no indication that suddenly a, a, a messenger came running in and said, King David, everything's taken care of. Your enemies have been destroyed. There's nothing like that. Now, it might have happened. I don't know. But I tend to think that as he's praying and calling on God, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move into that prayer room. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and sing a new song because I remember what you've done here. And so I'm just going to go ahead and start praising you because I know it's going to happen again. I know because you cannot lie. You cannot fail. You're a Savior. You love. And so I'm going to sing a new song. And he begins to praise God. Woo. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, uh, I will sing praises to you. It is he that gives salvation to the kings who delivers David, his servant, from the hurtful sword. Notice he's saying it future tense. It is he who does, who will do, right? Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Rid me, deliver me from the hand of strange children. He's going kind of back to the prayer request, but now in this new song, he, he knows it's going to happen, right? But watch this. 
Here's why he's wanting this to happen. I want you to pay close attention to verse 12. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of the palace, that our garners may be full, according, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there is no breaking in nor going out, there's no complaining in our streets. Happy is the people that in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. So, why is he praising before it happens? Because David's near the end of his life. And he knows that death is coming. And so he's, God, I want my children to know this. I want them to be able to look back and see that you brought me through. I want them. So it's, it's a perpetual sense, an ongoing sense of praise. Amen. He's singing a new song so that future generations, amen, can testify. Oh, yeah. We watch what God do for dad. We watch what God do for grandpa. Amen. But not just that. So that they, too, can have a personal testimony and realize that when they're in their struggle, when they're in their battle, they, too, can be delivered oh hallelujah hallelujah and so for all of those reasons this is an old song made new psalm 144 reveals that david didn't look like what he had been through he writes a new song from old lyrics and remembers everything god was and all that god had done he celebrates his personal relationship with God, ponders God's infinite sovereignty and mercy and prayed and praised God perpetually. And the same is true for you. You've come out of your valley with victory. Because you've traded your trial for a testimony. So with everything God has done for you, can you find it in you to worship Him wholeheartedly? Can you find it in you to say, God, as I look back over my life and see where you brought me from, you've never failed, you've never left, you've always been there? Hallelujah. Now, if you're here today, and you haven't experienced the new birth, then today's your day. Today's your day of salvation. Today is when God can start writing a new song in your life. So I wonder if there's anybody today that would need to repent. I wonder if there's anybody today that would need to be baptized. Daniel was baptized Friday night. God filled him with the Holy Ghost after the men's thing. Is there anybody else that needs to repent, needs to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. Praise team, go ahead and come on up and get ready. Amen. Psalm 144 reveals that David didn't look like what he'd been through. Amen. And I, as I said before, I'm repeating it. I'm saying it again. The same is true for you. I'm preaching to some people today that have come out of valleys with victory. They've come out and traded trial for testimony. Hallelujah. God prophesied through Isaiah that he would do a new thing. And through Je uh, Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, God prophesied a new covenant. And other prophets, many of them, most of them, foretold of the coming Messiah who would make us new. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature 
Behold, things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can anybody resonate with these words? I was lost in shame. Could not get past my blame until he called my name. I'm so glad he changed me. Darkness held me down, but Jesus pulled me out. And I'm no longer bound. I'm so glad he changed me. See, I am a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. There is new life. I live by faith, not by sight. Why? Because there's a new name written in glory. Now, if you're here and that's the case for you, when we sing this song, I want you to sing it with everything in you. I want you to sing it like you've already got the miracle, already got the answer, already got the prayer request that you've been praying for. If you can't sing it yet because your name isn't written yet, then I want you to repent and ask God to forgive you. And as he does, I want you to lift your hands and begin to speak in a heavenly language as he fills you with his spirit. And talk to me, talk to Lucas. We'll baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And this song can be really about you. There's a new name written down in glory. Oh, hallelujah. An old song made new. Is there anybody thankful for what he's done in your life? 